0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We are talking week 13 passing game matchups. The Bengals get Jamar Chase back. The Chiefs get Juju Smith-Schuster back. Traylon Burks, will his emergence continue? Dave Cabin and our tools cover it and more on RotoViz Radio.
2: What's up, RotoViz?
1: Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick, joined by Dave Cabin. We are recording during the Thursday night football game, and I promise not to <laughs> leak any spoilers to Dave, who, like a good Patriots fanboy, is recording the game, and we'll catch up after uh, this show is over. So no spoilers, intra-episode like we normally do. Uh, w- w- this is a big week, man. Um, we've got you know, the FFPC main event and Football Guys Players Championship and, and other high-stakes formats as well already transitioning into the division playoffs before the big tournaments at the end of the year. And then of course, in standard redraft leagues and dynasty leagues were kind of careening into the playoffs there as well. And even in some of the unique dynasty formats I'm, I'm playing in uh, those playoffs have actually already started some of the leagues like that. Ryan McDowell uh, commissions as kitchen sink leagues uh, for example. So there's a lot going on and some really big start, sit decisions, some things changing. And and teams passing game attacks and so we wanted to make sure that we talk about in general a different caliber of player uh, this week than we've typically done on this show. Uh, typically on this show, we've been looking for some bye week coverage. We've been looking for guys that might make sense to to claim on on waivers or you know add via post waivers uh, free agency process and you know maybe even some DFS targets. But now it's kind of like, all right, I've got these three or four flex viable guys. How are some of these players looking um, now that it's week 13 and, and these are all money matchups? And so talking about a different caliber of player in general tonight, um, Dave, I do have good news to report. Harkening uh, back to yesterday's episode, though, we got Zonovan Knight.
2: Yes, we did. Uh,
1: with, in our main event team, man. And, you know, this this backfield is loaded. We may or may not even need him. You know, we're, we're rolling out Josh Jacobs and Kenneth Walker and Jonathan Taylor and Rashad White. But now we got Bam Knight, too. So we are really set up here. We could even endure a potential injury. We'll probably have to monitor uh, to see if there's any updates on the Buccaneers backfield before that Sunday 1 p.m. kickoff. They are the Monday night game. So we're going to have to make that call on Zonovan Knight a little early. But feels great. feels great to get that, that bid uh, in at a winning level.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely superb. And then also when you have the wide receiver group that is, you know, heads and you know, heads and shoulders above <laughs> this running back, you know, core, which is which yeah. is great now. Uh it's hard not yeah, to man. be very excited about this coming weekend in the playoffs in general.
1: Yeah, well, we've got Tyreek on, on this squad, and we've got Debo on this squad, who is, you know, always questionable, it seems like. And so <laughs> we'll have to monitor that. Um, but you know, we do have You know, Deontay Johnson. I know we're going to hit the Steelers uh, wide receiver core in this episode. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, do we have any decision points there or do we have any confidence level with a guy like Johnson or with a guy like Alan Lazard in the event that Debo uh, were to be Alchi or something were to change with that game that will cause us to change our mind. So if you want to give me a drop, man, let's get into some of these teams. (laughs) All right, I want to start with Cincinnati, man. So Jamar Chase is supposed to be totally green-lighted. He has been bragging all week that he doesn't think he's able to be stopped. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the Bengals are playing the Chiefs. And I mean, he's he's out here, like he's literally saying, like, I mean, he hasn't even played in a month, right? And he's got a hip problem. Uh, and the quote is something to the effect of, I don't think anyone can stop me. So, I mean, this this... Things are escalating in advance of this game. And I I guess, I mean, it'd be fun to talk about Chase and and what you see in the matchup radar for him just briefly. But I think probably what would be more actionable and more helpful would be to talk about Tyler Boyd Uh, Mm -hmm. and maybe Hayden Hurst because those are the guys that are kind of on the periphery in that Bengals offense that uh, their roles have changed a little bit since he was out. And now with adding him back in, I mean, if you own Chase, you're starting him. The Bengals are obviously going to try to feature him. So what does that leave left on the pie uh, for for Boyd and Hurst?
2: Well, first of all, let's just remind everybody, Jamar Chase took an entire season off in college and then still came in and absolutely crushed as a rookie. So yeah. a couple of weeks, I'm not going to sweat. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah. this is an interesting week for Cincinnati in that you have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins grading pretty low, uh, both in the low 40s, but Tyler Boyd actually draws the single best matchup of any wide receiver this week. Oh no! Oh, no. oh yeah! I'm taking him out of like every lineup that I have already, so man. It, this is nuts. And Boyd Are you kidding is, me, I, I am not kidding you. <laughs> and, and the reason that this actually cracked me up when I when uh. I immediately opened the results this week is because my brother checks in with me every week which is funny to me because I'm like, dude, you can literally go on the site and just look at all of the things that I'm, you know what I mean? Like you should be able to figure out what I'm going to recommend you, but he still asked me every week. Sure. And he's asked me numerous times about Tyler Boyd this year. And every time that I have convinced him to go with Boyd has been one of the down weeks for Boyd. <laughs> oh no.
1: <laughs> and he okay. missed out on the good ones. So so there's a correlation between Boyd recommendations and Boyd
2: <laughs> weeks. Yes. But I think even with Chase coming back, this figures to be a game where there should be a fair amount of passing for Cincinnati. This looks like a favorable matchup for Boyd. Now, it's a rating of 63. That's not, you know, um, one of the highest we've seen of the year. This is a week where players are coming in in a more modest range. But still, though, a 63 is a good rating overall long in the short of it is curtis when you combine this with his glsp which is a top 24 as well and the fact that we have seen boyd be successful with both higgins and chase in the lineup this still looks like a spot where you could start him now if i had another similar option out there i wouldn't purely start boyd just because of what i mentioned with him getting the highest rating from a matchup perspective this week And what you see in the GLSP, because it is worth noting that some of what the GLSP is looking at is informed by recent games where Chase wasn't there. Now, I'm not sure if that's a concrete enough answer for people out there, but I think if you're still alive in your league and you have other options, like you can appreciate the nuance with the decision you're going to make.
1: Yeah, adding a little bit of context to to this game, I mean, it's a game with a a implied point total of fifty three. Uh, It's in Cincinnati. They're two point dogs. Um, So that does set up for, you know, a lot of passing um, probably in three of the past five weeks that the chiefs defense has allowed at least 210 receiving yards to opposing wide receivers. So even if you want to say, Hey, chase is going to come back and he's going to get his, and he's going to get a hundred yards. You know, there's still, you know, between, you know, 110, 150 yards, you know, based off of what good opposing wide receiver cores have done against the chiefs lately for Boyd, and uh, Higgins to split up. I mean, you look at San Francisco. You know, obviously that's a, a pretty potent wide receiver core. They had 213 receiving yards and 18 receptions as a group. You look at the Jags with Christian Kirk uh, and Zay Jones and what they did back in Week 10: 21 receptions for 210 yards. And then the Chargers: uh, 17 receptions, 248 yards. All all of this production by opposing wide receivers. So, you know, you're looking at you know, the potential of a, a, you know, a 550 and maybe we get a lucky touchdown uh, for for Boyd. Um, Something like that, I think, is certainly within um, the the range of outcomes here. You know, I've got some spots where I did add Donovan Knight and I'm going to start Knight over Boyd. But I think, you know, I I would probably start Boyd over, you know, a fair number of wide receivers, just given uh, the way that this game could play out. I mean, he's going to have a lot of upside when when you think about how this, Uh, Bengals offense is going to have to operate. I want to look real quickly in our game splits app as well, just to see if we can tease anything out about Boyd's production uh, when the Bengals are underdogs. Um, Just over, we'll just look at the last two seasons and see if uh, we can yield any interesting results here.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's always a good thing to look at. Even if you get a small sample, you can still get some idea of what the window of possibility is. Might look like, and I think that these wide receiver, um, grouping, some of these are the funnest ones to look at in the game splits app. Well,
1: this is pretty interesting. Um, so I'm looking at a 27 game sample. I'm looking at 2021 and 2022, and there are 11 games where the Bengals have been underdogs in, in that 27 game sample and 16 where they've been favored and Boyd averages four fewer PPR points in games where the Bengals are underdogs. Um, he's averaged uh, about a, a one and a half fewer targets, uh, about three quarters fewer receptions, um, and 21 fewer receiving yards in those games. So, you know, I wonder if that's a function of hey, the Bengals are are behind in these games, and so they're you know they're throwing the targets to the you know uh, giving the targets to the more dynamic receivers, throwing the ball down the field a little bit more. In, in my head, that. Scenario seems to make sense So uh, game splits at Maybe a little bit of a warning shot to, to, to I guess even the playing field Against this number one overall ranking um, <laughs> In the passing game matchup rater. So I get, I guess you know Hey if we're going to mix it all down um, Boyd still flex worthy Because of the matchup um, Against the Chiefs and the game context Of this potentially being a, a high scoring Shootout but you know Just because he's number one in the matchup Raider doesn't mean we're penciling him in as a, you know, a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two this week.
2: Sure. Wow. Boy, getting, getting a lot of airtime. Yeah, man. Nobody, on this. I mean, it's I love been,
1: it. been a long time since anybody besides his mom talks this much about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's, let's transition to a, a, a big time name who's really um, paying dividends for those who were patient with him and yep. redraft. And obviously dynasty players are, are you know really licking their chops here. Uh, Traylon Burks, Dave, you know, over the last two weeks, Um, one of the more productive receivers in the NFL over that stretch. He is ironically going to be going up against the Eagles and the player that he was drafted to replace and A.J. Brown. So uh, what do our tools say about Burks and his matchup this week?
2: Yeah, so I think the first thing that you're probably going to want to focus on here is just that Philadelphia has been a fairly limiting defense for opposing wide receivers to face. They're basically allowing just one opposing wide receiver to go over 10 points Each week, just half of a wide receiver to go over uh, 15. So they've been fairly limiting from that perspective. Unsurprisingly, when you look at the matchup ratings for the entire Tennessee wide receiver core, they're all at 43 or under with Traylon Burks landing at a 40. Not Mm. the greatest rating. Um, now, I generally would say for a player like Burks, who I think is very good and we're starting to see that fully emerge, I would not really care that much about the ratings yeah. and I don't yeah. care that much about this specific rating here. The one thing that I would say is I think that it's possible that the Eagles um, in this game really control things. It plays out at a pretty slow pace, removing some of those opportunities that Burks could have. And perhaps we don't see Tennessee in able to move the ball in a fashion that sets up Burks for a great game. Nonetheless, Curtis, I think that I'm probably, if he's on my lineup, just going after that upside that you could see, given the fact that if Tennessee is forced to pass in this game, much of that is going to go through Burks.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. The game script is going to be super interesting. It's the low total. Uh, Tennessee is on the road and their dogs uh, but teams have been able to run on the Eagles lately, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, if it, it, it's possible that Tennessee, you know, could be the team that succeeds in slowing the game down uh, and has, you know, a couple of long drives and, and forces the Eagles into a different, um, uh, you know, faster pace offense, you know, in the second half. So it'll be interesting. I, I tend to agree that Burks is probably a player that is is quickly becoming a, a little bit matchup proof especially since so much of the target share is concentrated to him. Yeah. Um e- even with the low overall passing attempts that could occur in a game like this, you would figure, you know, Burks is a good bet um to have, you know, most of the high value targets at this point. So, um yeah, I think hey. that's a good exercise yeah. to talk through that even though his rating's not necessarily so shiny. Right.
2: I got to stop you right there though. Now, the listeners won't be able to see this, but I am seeing over your left shoulder an elf. Yeah. He's not on the shelf, but he has sandwiched himself between two pictures. That's right. I like it. Yeah.
1: Making it, making a podcast appearance. Um, I'm not sure why uh, Elfie decided oh, to yep. uh, deliver himself to my office this yep. year as is the, is the room of the house that he's starting in. But he's been hanging out in here since thanksgiving in various okay. places and positions i think he'll, yep. he'll probably i mean i think it's natural to assume that he would make his way you know towards the the christmas tree over the course of the next couple of weeks
2: yeah that makes sense well elbow <laughs> the elf that visits our house uh, oh. appeared for the first time this morning so it was pretty exciting here anyway
1: yeah <laughs> yeah he, he was a little bit more patient and calendar appropriate it sounds like at the cabin house yes so exactly Um, okay. So we talked about Traylon. um, you're starting Traylon everywhere. Uh, but I I like the breakdown there. Um, let's go back to the other side of the chiefs Bengals and just quickly hit on Juju before we, after that, I want to talk about these jets wide receivers and the the way their offense has changed, but Juju fully healthy this week, Dave, and returning to the lineup, how does he look? And you know, how does that potentially affect uh, the other receivers in the offense, including Kelsey?
2: Yeah. So, it's even a worse outlook for the Kansas City receivers than what we looked at for Tennessee from a matchup rating perspective. Kelsey's down at a thirty-six, which
1: I mean nobody to cares about.
2: He's gonna smash no matter what. So. Yeah, uh, uh, but Juju's it's at fine. a thirty-one. Now that is you know a pretty low score, and what you saw from Juju in his return to action last week is not going to inspire much confidence. Also, Cincinnati has been one of the more limiting defenses from a threshold perspective. If I have Juju on my roster and I quickly take a look at the Cincinnati secondary to try to get a sense of what some of the coverage he faces could be like, you'll see that they have been pretty stout. Um in many positions, but they do have a couple of players that get over that 8.0 point per game, um, on direct targets allowed number. So all in all, it doesn't look like this is going to be a week where Juju comes out and smashes, but we do have a reason to anticipate this being a pretty high scoring game. There being quality opportunities for Juju. So unless I am looking for, uh, perhaps a player that looks to have absolutely tremendous upside. I think I would feel comfortable putting Juju back into my lineup this week.
1: Yeah, hopefully he can have more success against the the Bengals uh, with Patrick Mahomes uh, at the helm than he did with Ben Roethlisberger and company because uh, per the game splits app, Juju has not been at his best against Cincinnati. Of course, most of those games, or all of those games rather, uh, coming as a member of the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, but about three and a half points below uh, his non-Bengals uh, opponent uh, matchups over the course of his career in, in eight games against the Bengals, averaging just 11.2 PPR. I mean, that is a fair floor. I mean, that's a flex, that's flex-worthy floor. Um, but he, you know, he, he's been targeted less, uh, fewer receptions, fewer touchdowns, and about actually 21 fewer yards per game. Uh, in those eight matchups against the Bengals versus his 55 games in his career against other teams. So uh, if anybody's going to help cure that, it is going to be Mahomes in a game with such a high applied point total.
2: Yeah, sure. Just the last note there, as I, as I dig into this a little bit more, you're probably going to see him up against uh, Mike Hilton would be my expectation uh, more mm. so than any other player for Cincinnati. He's allowing just 4.2 points per game on direct targets and, uh, you know, so if you're looking to break a tie between Juju and a similar player, that's probably another thing to keep in mind.
1: Okay, so let's say, let's say you're a manager that has Tyler Boyd and Juju Smith-Schuster.
2: I'm going Juju. You're going to go Juju? Yeah.
1: Okay, I'm going to go Boyd. Okay. So we're going head-to-head on this one. We'll have to nice. let Let's see who is right next week. We'll, come, we'll circle back. All right, let's do um, it. Oh, that's fun, too, because they're
2: in the same game. That's right. Oh, I can't wait to that's watch right. this one now. I mean, I was already <laughs> pretty pumped for it, but now now I'm really
1: ready to go. Okay, so we will put. Uh, okay, if if Juju outscores Tyler Boyd in PPR in this matchup, then I will drink a coffee, coke, and milk.
2: Oh, nice! Yes, a triflex. Um,
1: y- yes, y- yes, the triflex. Triflex, yes. And and if if Boyd outscores Juju. You have to drink a neat bourbon.
2: Oh, that's fine. I do it all the time.
1: Oh, we'll pick something else. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. We haven't talked about your bourbon preferences. Yep. Um, okay. Well, you you can drink. I mean, presumably this coffee, Coke and milk is going to be good. Like I'm not drinking. It, it is thinking good. It's all good. All right. it's be I'll tell you. What, you, you then I will good. just.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of something that could. that. I don't know. I'll give, I'll give I'll give you my vodka
1: re- recipe, and you can drink a lemonade and vodka okay, on the, all right. on that, the show. That'll that would be works. good. We'll drink each other's go-to during the podcast. Okay, all right.
2: I like it. Ah, that's right. That's right. Actually, do you have one right now in the concoction sitting I do. next to you?
1: I do. I got, I got a kettle and blackberry uh, lemonade going.
2: Okay. All right. Fair enough.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But
0: when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.
1: Okay. um, Let's hit the Seattle wide receivers. Yep. Um, It's, you know, Geno Smith is, you can set your clock to him. He's like 22 fantasy points every single week. You know, DK is a wide receiver three on the year. You know, if you've got, Metcalf and Lockett. Do we see anything about the matchup that would make us lean towards one or the other uh, blowing up this week?
2: Yeah, it's definitely more favorable for Metcalf than it is Mm. for Lockett. You're probably going to see the Rams having a little bit of trouble dealing with Metcalf when he's lined up out wide on deep routes down the field. Uh, He's at a 50. Lockett is at a 36. So definitely, definitely, A much more favorable matchup for Metcalf here. 50, though, isn't anything that, um, you know, is abnormal. A 36 is on the verge of being low. Um, It's not low enough that I think it removes him from the conversation entirely. Uh, But just to also bounce Lockett off of what we see in the GLSP to kind of cut at this two ways against the rams he is slated for an average of 6.4 targets four receptions 49 yards and 0.3 touchdowns which gets him to an average of 11.2 maybe you discount that a little bit you're looking at a reasonable expectation of like nine and a half is what i would i would say feels right given all of those factors
1: Okay. Yeah. I think the key takeaway here, I mean, LA has allowed all different types of receivers to be uh, productive against them. You know, we have Brandon Ayuk uh, just looking even at the last, you know, five weeks. I mean, Brandon Ayuk with a 20 point um, game, Scotty Miller with the 12 point game, Deandre Hopkins at 19.8, Chris Olave at 21.2. I mean, there's, you've got, you've got, literally you've got a slot, you've got um, a, a move receiver, um, you've got uh, a true perimeter receiver, and then you've got a downfield threat. All of them, um, you know, posting healthy production despite being you know, four very different wide receivers from one another. Um, yes, yeah, so, so I like it. I mean, I guess the, the only danger really here for either one of these receivers would be, you know, if, if Seattle gets up to a healthy lead, you know, in the first half, will they have to continue throwing? Yeah. I mean, the, the Rams are in pretty putrid condition right, right. now, so... Um, that, that would maybe be the only warning signal, but, uh, okay. So it's wheels up on Metcalf and then, you know, if it's locket, it sounds like, you know, Hey, if you have another viable flex option, maybe you go that direction. Yes. Correct. Okay. Um, a couple of players a little bit further down who have been producing of late, uh, but I think we need to get a check-in because they are going to be matchup, uh, specific Darius Slayton has kind of reemerged lately, Dave, um, as, uh, as an interesting player in, in fantasy, What are you seeing in that Giants matchup this week?
2: So Slayton actually rates in with a 27, which is one of the lower... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be a bottom quartile score. Yeah, that's not really what you like to see. Uh, He's probably going to get coverage from the Commander's secondary by a number of players. Um, If we drill into that just a little bit, you're going to see that... You got a couple of guys in there like Kendall Fuller, uh, Bobby McCain. Um, You might see Holmes getting in there as well. And now all of those guys have been pretty good on a point per game target on direct targets, uh, which contributes to some of what you're seeing here. Then also, if you look at the thresholds, um, Washington has been pretty solid as well. So putting that all together does not look like this is a game that sets up very nicely for Slayton.
1: Yeah, I think that context is helpful. Uh, I mean, he's he's kind of un- underappreciated. He's not really been like a, a difference-making level player. But since week seven, he's wide receiver 24, man. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's had, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a couple different things here. I'm looking at our fantasy points summary Uh, I'm looking at my game log and matchup analysis tabs uh, here in the NFL stat explorer. And I mean, he really has been, you know, pretty reliable um, over their uh, past five contests. He's got at least six targets in four out of those five games. Uh, He went over 60 receiving yards in four of those five games Two receiving touchdowns over the stretch. So, I mean, you know, it it sounds like it's a bad matchup. Um, So, you know, he's not a player that you're, it was like, an auto start, but, uh, many of you, uh, who maybe waited on receiver or went to the wire, um, during that time where, you know, Jamar chase was out, et cetera, have been using him. And so, um, another player that, you know, you know, Hey, if we're going to compare some of the guys we've been talking about today, you know, maybe it's Boyd and Juju over Slayton. If you, if you've got uh, several players cut from that cloth on your squad, another player that has been more of a recent, uh, story is Michael Gallup. Um, of course, missing some of the year. And then you had, you know, Prescott uh, looking the other way, even after Gallup did return, but it seems like he's getting a little bit of his mojo back. Uh, how's that Cowboys receiving core looking this
2: week? I got to tell you, Curtis, not looking good at all. Um, <laughs> we're we're hitting a theme here. Yeah, no, uh, it's actually not quite as bad as it, as I made it out to be. You have CD lamb at a rating of a 33, then Gallup at a 30, Fergus, and Ferguson are at 29 hey and 25 so it could be worse from a threshold perspective um indianapolis has been pretty challenging they're allowing uh just 0.9 wide receivers to go over 10 points per game and just 0.2 to go over 15 and that is looking at a stretch of games between week four and week 12 so this is not a spot that sets up very nicely for gallup uh and unfortunately, I think he falls into that range of player where you do have to look up how the matchup suits them, so if I sure. have Gallup, I'm definitely looking for other options
1: okay yeah that's that's good to clarify i mean he's he's probably due uh for a touchdown at some point that's not a reason enough to start a player obviously uh but since week four, I mean he's been playing on the regular and he's had uh, in all but two of those games, he's had at least four targets. In, in all but three of those games, he's had at least five targets. But just one receiving touchdown um, over that stretch. So he, I, I think he is going to find the end zone here soon. But I mean, you can't do it just because you know we think that a player is going to have you know right um, you know a, a correction there, uh, especially if we don't see it in the in the matchup. Maybe this is not the week uh, that 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 happened. So okay, so we can sit Slayton and sit Gallop. Um, one player that you had mentioned was all uh, Zacchaeus. Yes. How are things looking for him? This was a more favorable situation. Yeah, this
2: was, so this was one of those players that stood out that given the matchup, uh, he draws a rating of 60 this week, which is one of the highest. It actually puts him, I believe in the top four of ratings this week. Um, all right, sorry. Top seven, but still pretty darn good. He's tied with a couple of players above him. Okay. Some of those are tight ends. Regardless, though, this is a matchup that actually hold on.
1: Hold on. Let's hit reset. (laughs) Let's (laughs)
2: okay. From the top on Zacchaeus. All right. Zacchaeus. There we go. Right. Gets a rating this week of 60, which is the fourth best among wide receivers this week.
1: There we go. There we go. That's that's the sound bite. We can leave it all in. The listeners know. Yeah. That's fine. Um, okay. Um, So, fourth best amongst wide receivers. That's pretty cool. And I mean, this game. I think this game's kind of interesting, man. The Steelers against the Falcons. Yep. I mean, like it's. This is the type of game that, like, if it looks ugly on paper, it's got a low game total. But to me, it just feels like one of those that could we could look back and be like, how do we not see that there were going to be sixty-five points scored in this game? Yeah. Uh, it's just a super. It's just super ugly. And I mean, there's been some some really big wide receiver performances against the Steelers, man. I mean, A.J. Brown, 39.6 points. T. Higgins, 23.8 points. Uh, Michael Pittman last week with 19.1, him getting healthy. I I mean, it's a beatable defense. I mean, they're giving up, you know, three out of the last five weeks, over 200 receiving yards uh, to the position, six receiving touchdowns in the last four weeks, of course, uh, four of those coming uh, or being surrendered to the Eagles. So you got to kind of weigh that a little bit. Uh, but we also have a, a, a th- in three of the past five games uh, about 60 or more yards after catch, uh, which is a little bit more of Zac- Zacchaeus's game uh, than being the deep, you know, air yards threat, obviously. So, yeah, I, I kind of see it. I mean, it seems to strike a theme with what you're seeing in the matchup, Raider.
2: Well, also, I think that you're going to see a fair amount of coverage from Arthur Mollett on Zacchaeus. He's allowing. He- He is allowing 8.7 points per game on direct targets. Then the other corner that's probably going to be mixing in on him in coverage is Levi Wallace, who is allowing 10.2 points per game on direct targets. These are totals you would expect for a team like Pittsburgh that has been pretty favorable. So Zacchaeus falls into that range of a guy that you might not be expecting it, but uh, could pay off for you in the flex.
1: Okay, let's stay same game, but flip over to the Steelers. Because I think uh, we kind of just have to look every week at Deontay yes. versus Pickens. Man, Deontay is just such, Deontay Johnson is just such a conundrum this year, man. So he, he only has one performance at a wide receiver two or, or higher level. I mean, he's actually only eclipsed 15 PPR one time this year. This despite being eighth amongst all wide receiver and targets and 15th amongst all wide receivers and receptions. He just happens to be horribly inefficient, which is actually not new in his career, um, but it's just sticking out a little bit more uh, in, in 2022. So um, dating back to 2019, I mean, the only year where Deontay Johnson was efficient was his rookie season. He was actually 32nd amongst wide receivers and fantasy points over expectation that season uh, and had 21.1 to the positive. Since then, he's a perennial top 12 wide receiver in expected points. That's holding true again this year as he's wide receiver 11 in expected points. But he's rated outside the top 225 in efficiency three years running, man. And it just feels like it's really piling on. The guy can just not score a touchdown. And when he gets a target in the end zone, he can't catch it. It's just ugly, man. So I'm looking. I've got a couple spots where I could start him. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's unclear. And so I think he's another player that, you know, he would be like, I think in that, you know, in that bowl, that grab bag with Juju, with Tyler Boyd, you know, with those types of players, is there anything that you see that would cause us to want to start him against the Falcons or does it feel like a Pickens week or do we fade all the Steelers wide receivers?
2: So they get pretty weak matchup ratings. You have Johnson at a 40 Pickens at a 39 when you dig in a okay. little bit, it's not the worst matchup ever. But when we also incorporate what we're seeing in the GLSP and some of the other factors you could look at, I'm going to say that if you have Pickens and Johnson, it's 100% Pickens, no question about it. He's the one that you'd rather have. Okay. Also for Johnson, I would not be feeling very good about putting him in the lineup this week. Uh, obviously, if you have somebody like Tyler Boyd, you're probably putting, you're not probably, you are putting them in over uh, Deontay Johnson, I'm trying to think of other players that you might be making that decision with him versus Yeah, I know you probably have an example or two of that. Do any come to mind off the top of your head?
1: Yeah, I do. Another player that I want to talk about, uh, after I asked my follow-up question would be like a Josh Palmer. Okay. Yep. Right. A player that's, that's, you know, really been a high end producer, but I still feel like, I don't know. I, I only have him a couple spots, but it still feels weird to like just trot him out with such confidence. Right. Um, but, but before we leave the Steelers Falcons game, how are things looking for Pat Fryermuth in that game? It looks like it's bad for the for the wide receivers. Is there any really hope for him? I mean, he's really been stringing up a lot of tight end one performances, which is you know obviously a low bar to clear. But he's tight end six on the season, and you know I've got a couple of squads personally where it's like Fryermuth versus Hayden Hurst, you know, versus Evan Ingram, that type of thing. So you know maybe that's the direction the Steelers can go this week.
2: Yeah, so for Fryermuth actually, he gets a 48, so that's your, you know, perfectly Slightly fine... higher, but
1: down the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's... okay. Which is fine,
2: but also yeah. from a threshold perspective, Atlanta has actually been a fairly huh. favorable opponent, so there's no reason to really worry about that matchup. Fryermuth feels sure. like a tight end you can try it out there, no problem.
1: Yeah, man, it's it's baby Gronk. Um <laughs> okay. So, so let's wrap it up uh with with two final receivers here. I want to talk uh, Josh Palmer, and then I want to talk Chase Claypool because I think he's the only person left in Chicago. <laughs>
2: um,
1: so, 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 yeah. Can Palmer keep the hot streak alive? And then, it, is there any hope for Claypool? Maybe just via concentration of targets.
2: Yeah. So, th- this is an interesting one that we have here when you consider Palmer this week from an alignment and um, scheme perspective. On the field, this does not look like the best matchup that you're going to see for Palmer. Some of that is reflected in a matchup rating of 45, which I guess if I'm comparing that to somebody on the team like Keenan Allen, they're at a 57. Now, 45 is an awful, but what I think is also important to look at here is when you start thinking about the production, the volume that we've seen for him in recent weeks, and also a very solid weekly GLSP, uh, I would not have much hesitation about playing Palmer now playing Palmer over Deontay Johnson. I definitely would do that. I feel like this week they're in different zones. Uh, okay. Johnson's more of a of a question mark. Palmer, somebody I'd feel pretty good about putting in my lineup.
1: Okay, yeah, I yeah I appreciate the uh, the clarification there. I mean he's been a wide receiver one for a pretty significant mm-hmm. stretch of the season now at this point. Um, so so it was a bit in jest that I bring up uh, Chase Claypool. I mean there's a, there's a lot there. I mean you're not starting you're not really starting a bears wide receiver uh, unless Justin Fields is in in the game and then even so I mean it's not like Mooney was really beating the world he had improved over the, the second half of the season um, kind of doubling up basically his per game uh, production versus the first half of the season but you know Claypool seems to be getting a little bit more acclimated in the offense his his snap uh, count has increased healthily three weeks in a row since joining the squad and um, I have to laugh at this. I'm looking at the team website here, <laughs> and Larry Mayer, who has the unfortunate job of being a Bears senior writer, says the Bears are devising a plan to make up for the loss of Mooney. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so they're—I mean, yes, because we would trust them amongst all franchises to replace their their already dynamic receiver who is being underutilized in the current context of the offense. But um, okay. So I I just want to know, like, maybe it's not even Claypool. Do any of these Bears wide receivers, not not named Mooney, show up in the tool as as having a favorable matchup?
2: No, you have Claypool coming in at a 34 and with a filter of of more than (laughs) six points per game, uh, all the other wide receivers are filtered out. So Claypool is probably going to get coverage from some mix of like Jair Alexander uh, and Rasul Douglas. Uh, now they are allowing a decent amount, like middle of the road in terms. Well, actually, Alexander's allowing 9.8 points per game on direct targets. You have Douglas around 7.6, which maybe if we were talking about a receiver in a different offense, um, <laughs> with a different with a different yeah. situation this week i could spend yeah. more of a case of maybe you know that rating coming in low versus if yeah. we make some adjustments for the specifics we know of that player but not the case here
1: okay well re- not temptation is a strong word but it's been removed um <laughs>
2: that's probably for the best
1: yeah i think i think so is there any other is there any other situation that you feel compelled to highlight, or do you feel that we've done a representative job tonight?
2: I think we've done a representative job tonight. One of the things I'd said to you before we started recording was, um, "There's not a lot of surpri- like major surprises um, this week. All of the with the ratings yeah. starting at sixty-three, they're fairly low, and then many of the players that uh, have those good ratings are guys that you just wouldn't play even." you know, with that good rating or they're already locked into your lineup. So there's really not not too much more to hit. Um, I will just call out a couple of tight ends. Uh, good looking week for Evan Ingram from a matchup perspective. Oh, Hayden Hurst as well. But mm. really, Hayden Hurst, I mentioned, he's at a 52, which is middle of the road. The only guys above 52 are Everett and Ingram with 60s. Then down towards the bottom, everybody else except for uh Jordan Akins, Cole Komet, Schultz and Ferguson are in ranges where it's just kind of like your typical mat- matchup.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think that that sounds fair. I, I guess to some some the week up for receivers, it's it's start your studs. After that, uh chase game totals, and after that, maybe err on the side of a running back over a receiver <laughs> in the flex, um, which is a little bit different than we would typically uh, approach our lineups, but it kind of just feels like that type of week. So, um, as always, you can check out Dave's full breakdown and his article on rotoviz.com. Uh, if you like uh, passing game matchups and uh, that uh, tickles your fancy when you're setting your lineups, you can check that out as always uh, uh, every week. And man, we'll be back next week to let you know how our main event playoff team uh, performs. Uh, hopefully, we will continue to progress. And uh, also want to congratulate Sean. And Ben Gretsch, uh, our partner of podcast Stealing Bananas, that partnership also advanced the team uh, to the main event playoffs. And so we'll we'll keep uh, tabs on their performance as well.
2: And tune in Monday when Curtis, or Tuesday morning when Curtis drinks a Triflex.